Welcome to the Young Adult Podcast, where we will be engaging in weekly conversations around the amazing, tough, fun, weird, but extremely important and defining season of your 20s, all while bringing you more of a biblical perspective. Our goal is to dive deeper into conversations that push you, challenge you, and hopefully inspire you to begin to walk in the fullness of who God created you to be, which we believe will make you the most effective for the kingdom of God. Let's jump into this week's episode. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Young Adult Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Connor Graham, and with me in the studio, as always, is Whitney Bass. Whitney, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm tired. You're tired? My roosters are crowing at 5 a.m. now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that is hilarious. Um, have you found your Highland cattle yet? I have. I found a rancher. Oh, you have, yeah. you, have you purchased them? I'm gonna go take a look at them okay. before. Make sure they're the, t- the top deal quality. seems too good to be true. To be <laughs> okay. honest with you. Okay. Well, today, guys, you have Whitney and I. Um, Andrew is at a leadership meeting for our church, and so you are stuck with us. Uh, but hey, I'm excited for today because we have a t- we got a ton of uh, positive feedback from last week's podcast titled "I Love Jesus, Just Not the Church." And last week, we wanted to just take some time to explore this relationship that a Christian should have with the church and not just churches and you and I, although that is uh, one you know rendering of church, but what, how should Christians feel, engage, interact with their local church, their local community of gathering of believers? And so if you didn't get an opportunity to uh, listen to that and maybe you yourself have questions or even baggage from church, I would encourage you to go to last week's podcast and check that out. But we got a lot of positive feedback and we kind of wanted to continue this conversation. It seems to be relative um, to our age and our, our culture right now is this idea of I love Jesus, just not fill in the blank. I love the ideas of Jesus. Maybe Jesus is a concept or the things that he taught about love and peace, but I just don't like maybe some of the things that are affiliated with followers of Jesus or Christianity. And so today, honestly, might be one of my favorite podcasts that we've had the chance to do so far, because today we are actually going to be talking about the Bible, dun, 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 the Bible, the big dusty book that sat on your grandparents' coffee table. Um, and Well, I know that a lot of you probably highly value my thoughts and opinions and Whitney's thoughts and opinions on the Bible. We thought it would be better to bring in somebody that is about 10,000 times smarter Mm -hmm. than we are, and that's being um, generous, um, to give some insight on one of the most important, controversial, powerful, but transforming books ever written. And So today, I'm so excited. We have a very special guest who will be joining us all the way from Belgium. Um, She is a member of Red Rocks Worship and has been serving at Red Rocks for as long as I can remember. She has two amazing amazing children and is married to maybe genuinely one of the (laughs) kindest people on the planet. Um, She just got a master's degree in theology, so if you have a notebook, open it up, grab a pen. Um, This will be a podcast that you will actually want to jot down Mm -hmm. some thoughts from. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Brene Keithley. Brene, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. It's just a pleasure to be with you right now. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us. I know right now for Brene, we, we film in the afternoon. It's 
it's pretty late for her. It's actually, I just turned 32. It's creeping up on my bedtime, her time. <laughs> um, but thanks so, thanks so much for making a window uh, to, to be able to talk with us, especially about this. Um, Brene, before we jump in, I know there's a lot of people that may be familiar with you from our worship albums and team, but they don't really know your story. So real quick, just maybe fill some of our listeners in on um, how long you've been at Red Rocks and a quick backstory on how it got you all the way to, to Belgium right now. Yeah, okay, I'll do the short version. So this is my eighth year at Red Rocks in December. Um, I started out at the Golden Campus, and we still have a Golden Campus. They hired me to start their third uh, off-site campus, but it took a couple of years to launch. So I ended up at the Catfish. If you ever the went catfish. to the Catfish, yes, yeah. I miss that campus. You know what? It it was real <laughs> shady, but it served a good purpose. People miss it. Yes, people yeah. miss it. it was bottom feeder. It was a weird time. <laughs> so we did the Catfish, and then we transitioned to Lakewood. And around that time, um, as we were moving into Lakewood, I started kind of hear whispers of a potential campus plant in Europe. And um, I had spent some time here and I had family that had lived here. And um, my fiance at the time was living in Greece. And so we were peaked um, immediately kind of hearing that we, there could be a Red Rocks opportunity in Europe. And so we kind of followed that path a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Connor and Whitney, you guys were interns yep. the year that first year that we came to Belgium and James and I were like on a, secret scouting trip we, we came <laughs> like, but it was really because they asked us to come like feel it out and see if we wanted to try our hand at an international campus plant so yeah in 2016 we we moved here so this is a uh, been here a little over four years now and uh, launched our brussels campus in october of 2016 mm-hmm. and um yeah we were just it felt like something we couldn't say no to we love awesome. we love our church we love um, what our church stands for, just this very welcoming environment that makes the Bible, makes faith accessible to people, that brings people from the outside back inside. And we wanted to do that for people in mm-hmm. this area. So that is why we are in Belgium, and that's what we're trying to do every week. That's incredible. Um, well, one, thanks so much for doing that. I know that's that's such a big call to like answer from, yeah. from God to grow up in a country, you know, just different. And then to, to have this passion on your heart of like, Hey, we want to create a space where people that, like you said, I love how you phrase that outside are welcome back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to you, to James, to your kids, cause I know ministry is just like a family thing, no matter how you slice it. Yeah. Um, thanks for doing that. That's, that's really cool. Um, but we're, we're really excited to have you on today because I think you're in such a unique position to give such a good perspective on the topic that we're talking about today, that being the Bible. And I think at least in American culture, and you can maybe shed some light if there's some differences in in European culture, but we see people who are really cool with the ideas of Jesus in theory. This this idea of Jesus being somebody that promoted peace and promoted love. um, And and they they kind of love the teachings of Jesus, you know, maybe at at an arm's length. But when it comes to things that go along with being a follower of Jesus, um, there's a little skepticism. There's a little hesitation surrounding that. And so today I would love to just have a discussion about the Bible and maybe try to answer some of the questions that might make people hesitant. Like, mm-hmm. 
what even is the Bible really? And it's it's such an old book. Is it relevant to my life? And when I open it, it seems like it's just so random. How do I even begin to understand it? And so I kind of want to give this subject as much time as possible. And so I want to jump right in here and I want to ask you this question um, in, in your own words, obviously, what what is the Bible and why is it important um, if you if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, what is the Bible, and why is it important um, to your life? <laughs> that's a that's a loaded question. Thanks for starting <laughs> off starting off real easy. Yeah. T-ball. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's it's funny. You you said earlier that the Bible is like that dusty book that's been on your your grandparents' coffee table. It's funny that such an ancient text that is like so far <laughs> removed from like our time and culture has like such an intimate role in our lives as Christians. It's so close and it's so personal. Mm-hmm. And yet it's like, I don't know, that just struck me as funny, but it's true. And it's, um, yeah. Did you guys ever, when you were kids, I mean, growing up in church, you're church kids, right? Yes. Did you ever do, uh, um, in my church, we had something called Junior Bible Quiz. Are you kidding me? I literally this Connor's question, a champion. No, I actually was terrible at it. But this was like the one question that I actually remember from JBQ. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say that when you asked me that, my my training, I'll say my indoctrination really kicked in. I said, "What is the Bible?" And I said, "Well, Christians believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God." And <laughs> And it's, it's a revelation to man of himself and his plan of salvation. That's, and that's a 10-pointer. That's word on, for word. Oh, yes. I looked it up to make sure I was right about that when I remembered it. That's hilarious. <laughs> yes. So goes to show your what you kind of put inside of you as a kid. It remains. I'm, I'm now in my 30s, and I still remember. What <laughs> 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 is the Bible? Um, but, yeah, that, that statement that the Bible is God's inspired word and that it's a revelation to man of himself. Um, That feels like a basic thing to say, but there's so many intricacies that are loaded into that statement. Like Christians disagree as to the particularities of, of those words. Is every word literally true in the Bible? Was Mm -hmm. it spoken by God himself? Like when people wrote it on the page, did it, it in like actually become God's word to people? Um, and for me, I like struggle with that because, uh, we kind of go back and forth in, in church communities between like, well, is the Bible inerrant or is it infallible? Like, is it, is it like completely literally true, like, um, static, unchanging, or is it, um, is there humanity to it? Is it evolving with God and his people? Is it dynamic in its truth? And and I look at the context that the Bible is written in, like which is something we overlook so often as Americans who think that everything is just for them right now to be ingested. But the Bible is written in an Eastern context that focused on images and pictures, not words and definitions. And so with this understanding, it would kind of be a mistake to read all of Scripture as like literal. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But but that's sometimes how we approach it. We pick and choose which parts we want to be, to be literal. Yeah. But yeah. we also believe that God works through like human vessels. Like we see that we, that's a, a value of ours at our church that God, God's 
speaks through and uses broken, messed up people. Like we're imperfect, but we get to pursue this perfect God and we get to like join that process. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bible's no different than that. At least in my opinion, it was written by humans and you can see that humanity within it. Yeah. But it can still be inspired by God um, and be a partnership with humanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, First and foremost, I think beyond that definition and it's such a, such a prescriptive definition, so scientific, such a, <laughs> such mm-hmm. a, like a Western way to look at something that is so imagery driven, but the Bible is a story. Yeah. It's set in particular times and places, none of which are ours, by the way, but it's not a, it's not this just script that you read that you just say, okay, well, I want my life to look like this. So I'm going to superimpose myself into that. And then I'm going to get all the same results that that person got. No, the Bible's a story. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of the narrative is to show us what God is like. Mm-hmm. And so we see God interacting with people um, in, in an ancient context, in a Hebrew Jewish context, and then moving into the New Testament in a more Hellenistic context, like how, how God interacts with people. And it shows us something about what God is like. But that to me, the Bible is a book about relationship because it's how God interacts with people. It's about how God relates. And that's a very, um, a more Eastern way to look at it. Not so much like, um, if you were to say like, well, who is God? Um, I'm, I grew up using terms like God is omniscient. Like God is all knowing. Mm. Yeah. God is, uh, God is, uh, what's another one? Omnipresent. God is everywhere at all times. Or God is, um, omnipotent there's a big one he's powerful (laughs) yeah but the bible talks about god in pictures like god is um god is breath Mm -hmm. god is um a fortress he's a strong tower he's a shepherd um and so all these things kind of trigger other things in us it kind of pushes us to a more poetic place and um it's hard to sort of unscrew our intellect for a second that wants everything in a black and white like well this is exactly what the bible is and i understand it and i can read it like i can read a a romance novel um but the bible is um yeah it's a story and we're all a part of that story so Brene, um just as a follow-up question to that i loved everything you just said um with students for me or maybe young adults for um, people that Connor's ministering to, um, there I've noticed that there are a lot of people that get so tripped up and want to just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, and so, what I guess, what would you say to those people if they're just stuck? Whoever's viewing this podcast, it's I cannot get over this one specific scripture or this um, lack of validity here. This uh, doesn't really correlate with what I just read. Like, what would you say to those people? Um, give them a little bit of perspective to maybe look bigger. Um, cause I love how you said it's a love story. It's a love letter. It's not just, and it is ro- written by broken people. So I guess, what would you say to those people right now that are struggling to get past certain scriptures? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I've, I'm, I mean, I'm one of those people. Yeah. And so I can, <laughs> there have been things that have been a comfort to me in that area. Like, uh, so often I think what Connor was saying at the very beginning, 
and throwing baby out with the bathwater. That's a great way to phrase it too. Like people leave, they leave Jesus or they leave the church because they have, they've rubbed up against something that they just can't quite wrap their head around that they can't abide. Mm -hmm. I, I ran into this in the scriptures and the scriptures are full of those things. Like, um, yeah. In the Old Testament, what do we do about when God seems to command genocide? What do you do with the the misogyny, the oppression of women, mm-hmm. how it's been used to yeah. <laughs> enslave people, how it's been used to cast people out? Um, yeah, it's been used to justify some really terrible things. And this is an area of tension for me. Mm-hmm. Um and just like we were talking about earlier, um, the tension is because God insists on working with and through people and mm-hmm. people really suck sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible, the Bible has been weaponized since its creation. Yeah. Like the literal church leaders weaponized it against common people who couldn't read. Mm-hmm. Um, medieval Christians used it as the basis for holy war. Mm-hmm. Um, Western Christians weaponized it against Africans. Hitler weaponized it against the Jews. And women have been oppressed by scripture for centuries. Mm-hmm. And so going back to what you're saying, I think it comes from like the misunderstanding of the Bible's purpose. Mm. Um, I think the Bible is our story. It's mm. trying to tell us what God's like. It's trying to tell us what God is like from a particular point of view, from a particular place involving a particular people group. And it's not meant to be read like prose, it's poetry, it's imagery, allegory, it's prophecy, it's personal letters. And we see like devastating results when others kind of, like we were saying, superimpose like their exact situation on the Bible yeah, and use authoritative power to justify their own ends. And there's yeah. no excuse for that. The Bible has been used abusively. And I think a lot of people walk away from the Bible because they've been, they have rightfully been abused by it. Mm-hmm. And I understand that baggage yeah. and why people think that it's just like a blunt instrument and that it's the abuser, but the Bible isn't the abuser. It's, it's the people. Yeah, <laughs> and so, so if we're using the Bible to distinguish who's in and who's out, then we're missing the mark. That's not what the Bible's about. Um, and this is probably where a lot of the reticence towards scripture comes from outside our church. People who look at, the Christian community as a Bible wielding group of exclusivists. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the Bible can like a God who advocates for all people. Mm. And we see that from the very beginning, like from the very beginning in the creation story, God creates mankind. It's so good. Everything about creation is so good. And like, that is the message from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Like everything God made is good. There is a good story here to be a part of. And we need to trust that it's a good story. Mm. And we see mistrust at the very beginning, um, that there's a desire. There's a, a desire in man, and they question, like, is this actually a good story? Can I actually get everything I need from this? Mm. Can I actually get everything I need from this God? And that kind of gives way to fear. And this fear kind of leads them to make this decision to sin. And But what is the first thing that God does? Like, he, he makes a way and comes back. Like he makes a way for them to continue to stay with him. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay, well you, you've discovered that you're naked. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to cover you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to meet you where you're at. And you see that time and time again throughout scripture. You, and so it's the Bible, the Bible conveys a God that is an advocate. 
And so when we aren't conveying God as an advocate, then we're not actually, we're not actually preaching God's word. And so all the Bible is directed towards this inclusion, bringing all of creation back. Um, Also, uh, I guess along those same lines, Whitney, when you're talking about how people can abide certain things, we also put that tag of like like biblical on things. Mm. Like uh, you say, okay, well, uh, this is biblical, um, this is biblical marriage or this is biblical womanhood (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) And we kind of reduce it. Like that's a very reductive word to me because the Bible, um, is full of many different genres. And I mean, you learn this in, in school. Like when you, when you have a poem, like there's a certain set of rules that you kind of incorporate when you read poetry. Yeah. Um, there's a certain set of rules that you incorporate when you read prose, when you read a story, when you read, um, when you read a screenplay. Like there's, there's all these different genres represented in the Bible multiple authors from multiple audiences and a ton of varying interpretations. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's hard to say, um, I think that people weaponize that word saying biblical. Well, this is like, this is how the Bible says um, we should do blank. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's multivalency in the Bible in and of itself. There's tensions yeah. in the Bible, contradictions in the Bible. And when we're told that um, the Bible is this, static book that is just like it it's totally cohesive it's totally perfect and we when we forget that that humans were the author when we forget that it's about a story and not just like this prescription for how to live life Mm -hmm. um, we start to compare our lives against it and think well i i see inconsistency here so that means it must not be true I must mm. not be able to trust it because this contradicted itself. Sure. Um, but I think the Bible handles this really well as well. I, I think um, this is, I was thinking about this this week uh, in the wisdom books, you have, you have Proverbs, which is like, we love the Proverbs because it seems like this like surefire thing. Like if you do all of these things, then, um, then you'll be blessed. Like this is yeah. Um, yeah. the righteous this the foolish people do this yep and it's like black and white and back and forth and it makes you feel really safe in your world mm, yeah. <laughs> like okay well if i pursue wisdom then i'm gonna have all of these things if i'm generous then this is gonna happen to me if i study and i apply myself to these things then i'm going to be blessed and this is going to happen mm. but the people the those that arrange the biblical canon they put proverbs right next to ecclesiastes yeah. And Ecclesiastes is like, it's like <laughs> I'm in Ecclesiastes right now. Everything that the Proverbs say, it's yeah. like, and much, and much learning is much toil. Yeah. Don't bother. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's a season for everything. And so you have these, these tensions that the Bible internally handles too. Yeah. And so I think that when we can see that the Bible can do that really beautifully, that it can operate on both of those fields, that it, um, that just because that there's something in there that that really that really is grossly offensive today, like and um, and there's and there are a lot of things the way that it's been used to hurt people. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to see that it's it was written with humanity and for humanity, and so 
we can't just, um, like you said, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Can't separate the fact that God used humanity to 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 narrate that story that mm-hmm. you're talking yeah. about. Um, I think with the Bible, um, you know, one thing that we learn um, if you grew up in a church context, if you didn't, this might sound totally totally foreign and weird to you, um, but you know, we learn like do do your devos. You know, <laughs> like there, there's oh, a, yeah. you know. <laughs> devotional. Like I had this uh, professor in college that was like really strict about devos. And I remember he was like, for 30 years, I I don't allow myself to eat breakfast until I do my devos. And if I don't do my devos, I don't eat, you know? And I was like, I was like, I'm kind of, kind of reverse that for me. (laughs) Like if I don't eat, I probably don't have the energy to do my devos. Anyway, um, the, the question I'm trying to get at here is this. I think sometimes we, as Christians, we know um, to know God, to to see Jesus revealed throughout the scriptures, to understand the salvation that he offers, and, and ultimately him as the ultimate revelation of God. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's important for us to engage in the Bible. And so for some mm-hmm. people, that's a daily devo. But I guess my, my question is, what is your thoughts on the role that the Bible should play in a Christian's life, like what what weight should it have in my life as I'm trying to follow Jesus or, or be a Christian? Oh, that's such a great question. And even how you kind of open that up with <laughs> describing your professor, <laughs> I think that it bears importance to begin there, that we just have to acknowledge that we have some real baggage around Devos. I think our American faith heritage, and at least mine, like specifically the conservative evangelical tradition that I was raised in, it's relied so heavily on that language, like around reading your Bible, doing your devotionals. And I got that a lot when I was a kid. Like you read your Bible and you pray, and that was literally equated with following Jesus. Yeah. And but the reality is, like, that's not what Jesus said following him was. Mm-hmm. He just said, love God and love people. Yeah. And I think a lot of people ask this question because they're feeling guilty about how much they do for God. Is their effort good enough? Are they spending enough time? Um, but for me, at least, like, those motivations have always come from the wrong place, and the church aided me in those motivations. I felt like like my faith was this boulder I was pushing up a hill. Mm. And if I didn't read my Bible, then I would like lose some ground and the boulder would start to to slip back down. And then the next day I would just have to keep pushing, pushing Mm. it back to the top of the hill. And, and man, that's just like not, not what I see of Jesus in the gospels or in the epistles, like how he's described and what following him is supposed to be like, that his burden is, is easy and light. Like that's, that wasn't what I was putting on myself. And so I had to identify that like that guilt that I felt that pressure that I felt was coming from me. So maybe that's, I want to begin that way because yes, the Bible has like a real specific and um, essential role in a Christian's life, but also, um, and, and this is something that has been a comfort to me. uh, The Bible is not our salvation. It is not like the fourth person in the Trinity. It's not mm-hmm. like, it's not like we were like we worship it. Yeah. So, um, I think that sometimes we elevate it to this 
understanding. And whenever we are disappointed by it, it's like we have like lost faith in God Mm. or we're like disappointed in, in Jesus because, um, this, this, this book that we have conflated to like literally being him. And I think we get that, like someone said that to me recently, like, well, John one says that like in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Mm -hmm. Well, John's actually talking about Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus being, Jesus being like the revelation of God, which um, is so, is so huge. And I think um, this is a cyclical thought that I'm having because uh, the role of the Bible is to help show us how to image Jesus. And we can get that all throughout scripture. Um, to follow someone, to follow Jesus is to know them and to obey them. And in the case of Jesus's followers, we image him to others and in this world. And so for me, I read the Bible because I want to know Jesus better. I'm always looking for examples of how he responded to people, how he, re- how he treated those who were on the margins, how he interacted with scripture himself and how he related to God. And those things really matter for someone who's trying to live a life that looks like his. Yeah. So rather than reading the Bible because you feel like you have to, look for the image of Jesus throughout scripture and steer your life. Like, we need the Bible because it helps us stay rooted to the story. Mm. Yeah, And we have this huge propensity to wander away from the story. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what the Bible is supposed to do for us. It's supposed to just keep reminding us like of the narrative that we're a part of. Um, and this is a work, like this is the work of the people to interpret scripture and to apply it to our context. Like that's a theologian's job. And a theologian is literally anyone who thinks about God. So it's not just someone who's studied or someone who reads a lot. It's like anyone that thinks about God and it's our job to, to figure out how to, how to apply what the Bible is teaching, what, what the Bible, what the story of the Bible to put that into our context and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And so it's a wrestle. It really is. And it, it is work and we'll disagree and reach different conclusions, but we have to image Jesus in the world and live as if he's King. And so we need the Bible to do that well. Yeah. Um, You said something that I think could be a very interesting um, thought and maybe just a a quick segment or maybe, I don't know, we we talk about this for a minute. I think um, I've heard this brought up a lot um, recently. how, How did Jesus interact with the Bible? And I know that's a loaded question because (laughs) he didn't have the Bible. Um, But yeah, I love it. Yeah, but as as far as maybe the weight that he placed on ancient scripture, the the what we call the Old Testament. Um, yeah, and and you know he was the revelation of God, which then yeah. caused the writing of the New Testament. Um, mm-hmm. how, what what we see from Jesus, I guess, if if you could maybe go there for a minute, what what weight, what role did he have when it came to I'll say the Bible, but you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. his scripture, the the text, Mm -hmm. his context that he was coming from of scripture. Yeah. Oh, man. Like the Bible kind of paints that very clear that Jesus loved the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Um, We call it the the Hebrew Bible, the the Torah, and then uh, like the rest of the Old Testament as we know it. Um, The gospel tells that early on that he was listening to teachers of the law interacting with them about holy texts. Um, young Jewish boys would would have been educated early in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Like many would have had it entirely memorized. 
the Torah was like, and throughout the Old Testament, the, the law or the Torah is described as like a tree of life or bread. And, and you see Jesus calling upon that same in, imagery when he's tempted by Satan. He's nourished almost like that's the kind of image he's giving. I'm that he's nourished by yeah. the scripture that they were critical to his understanding of himself and the context that he was in. Yeah. Jesus, um, as a man, enters the scene kind of uh, during a time when Israel is really anxious and insecure. Like they had, they're kind of on the back end of this Babylonian exile where they've literally like almost lost their entire identity. Their temple was destroyed. Their texts were burned. They're like sitting in ultimate judgment and they knew it was the consequence of their straying from the covenant with God. And so the Pharisees were almost like neurotic about following the law. And they made up, they made up laws about keeping laws just to make sure that they were good, that they didn't get on God's bad side again, which just goes to show how far they had wandered from the story. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus comes in and starts trying to course correct their understanding of scriptures. Like he often said, like, you've heard it said, but I say, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's trying to direct Israel's heart back to the intended message of the text. The story is good. Like you're okay. God loves you. This is a relation, a relational thing. When you don't make it, God's going to make up the difference. Like that's the God of the old Testament. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the Bible was essential to Jesus's, well, the Bible I'm saying, the Hebrew Bible was essential to Jesus's kingdom platform. Like he wanted people to get back to the story. God Mm -hmm. is good. Creation's good. Their God is different. There's a lot of like other God-like figures in the world, but our God looks different. Mm -hmm. And, and you see that ultimately in how Jesus imaged God, like his lifestyle, his, I guess you would call him the living word. Like the, the word that he preached with his life looks so different than everything else around him. Like he, were, this is a culture about exclusion, like pushing people away to make sure that you were okay and that you were clean. And Jesus went to the far reaches. He went mm-hmm. to the margins and he, he dirtied himself. He, he revealed himself as Messiah first to women, to mm-hmm. people who were thought like to be on the same level as dogs. Like Jesus imaged this goodness of God, this inclusion of God. Um, and he used the scriptures to identify himself in that role to mm-hmm. say like, okay, we have all this context, all this stuff. And now let me show you what I really meant by that. Yeah. One of the coolest moments for that, um, part of scripture for me to marrying the two old Testament, new Testament, Jesus was when we actually Connor, do you remember this? When we were in Israel and when we were in Nazareth, they had this, it was like a replica synagogue and we're going through all of mm-hmm. Nazareth, and then we end in the synagogue. And the tour guide that was with us pulled out the scroll and was like, Jesus would have said this. And it was Isaiah, what was it, 63, 62, where it's like, I've come, the year of the Lord's favor, yeah, those yeah. verses. And mm-hmm. I started weeping, crying. It was like the most beautiful marriage in my heart of Exactly what mm-hmm. you're saying, Brene. Like Old Testament Jesus, this he is the fulfillment. And it was one of the most powerful moments on that trip for me at least. Yeah. Where I felt, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I know, um, Brene, we didn't get a chance to really talk about this before when we were formulating this podcast. So I don't I don't wanna <laughs> catch you off guard, but I think 
this might be a very real question for people. And so um, do your best, (laughs) I guess, Um, (laughs) when I ask this. I think kind of like what you were saying is Jesus shows us the heart behind um, his his contextual scripture, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. Um, so I, I, a twofold question, I guess, is is one, we, we tend to have a lot of people who say, man, the God that I see in the Old Testament just feels different from the God that who uh, the, Jesus, uh, who he is and what he what he did and how he understood and relayed. The yeah. Old Testament. I I struggle to see that. I see a God who sometimes seems angry, angry. or finicky yeah. or, um, you know, very wrathful and judgmental and quick to get angry. And Jesus seems so kind and loving and patient and forgiving. Do you think for somebody that might be struggling with that, and and mm. you can and you can be totally honest here, is it safe to say that? We now having Jesus as the fullest revelation of God, of God himself, is it safe for us to look back and interpret the God of the Old Testament, the same God, but just just for this this question, um, through the lens of Jesus's interpretation of that? Is it mm-hmm. is it safe to look to Jesus? as the revelation of the heart of the God of the Old Testament, if that, if that question makes, if, if that wording makes sense. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yes. That, that's how I, that's how I read scripture. Um, obviously like we, we've heard those sermons before that Jesus, um, is the fulfillment of all of these prophecies and, Mm -hmm. um, I think I heard it said once it was like, there's like, however many there are, and it, it, there's enough prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus had to fulfill for like pennies to cover the state of Texas or <laughs> something like that. Um, JBQ question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a 30 pointer. Um, no, for sure. Um, I, I also, I also have struggled with that. Like there's certain parts that I just, but part of the Old Testament, like the binding of Isaac, and especially now as a mother, like I, sometimes I just, I just gloss over that. I just pretend like it's not there. And I had to do that for a couple of years. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay, like to bring those doubts to the Bible, to the text. It, it can handle it. Mm. Um, that's, uh, I would say that that's how it was meant to be utilized. Um, I would say, um, and I, I'm not a Jew, so I don't have the full, the full context, but, um, just kind of listening to, to Messianic Jews talk about the scriptures. You, when you read the scripture, they're, they're looking for the inconsistencies and they're looking for the things that trouble them, the things that give them pause and make them want to question. And those are the parts that they begin to sort of scrutinize and debate and, um, bring into the community Mm. to ask questions about. And not to say, because my inclination is to run away from it, um, but the Jewish inclination is to run towards it, to mm-hmm. say, okay, well, this is this is really interesting. Um, I have this take on this. And, um, and it, it's a way to bring the scripture into community and to, and to make it like table talk in a sense, mm-hmm. um, yeah. to not hide away from it. And, uh, and so I would say for people who are kind of struggling with those passages, um, 
take those and say, okay, well, let's read through this and let's, let's look at the, the context of what's happening here. Um, let's talk specifically, let's talk specifically since I just said it about um, Abraham being asked to kill his son, mm-hmm. um, the son that he wanted. So for me, as a Western listener, I hear that story and I think that that's barbaric. I think that there's, that's no God that I want to serve that would ask me to do that. Um, that how, like how in the world could that be Jesus that, you know what I mean? Um, I think that, um, but that story wasn't written to me. It was written to a people who grew up in the Middle East who were a part of a culture where every God demanded child sacrifice. It was like a total, totally normal thing. Hmm. So God asked that of Abraham and Abraham's like, okay. I was kind of, you know, waiting, waiting around, figured you would, everyone else Mm. does, you know what I mean? And so there's, there's stuff like that, that kind of like puts things into further perspective that God's interacted with people about, um, their time and place. And he interacted with them in a way that they understood. Mm -hmm. And so that, that changed though, like the word became flesh. Yeah. God became, God became man. He put, he put on skin and he walked around amongst us and showed us what this looks like. Um, and so if anything, when you read those passages, um, remember, and this is like, have been helpful to me. Remember that God was relating to people and their time and place with the capacity that they had to relate. And so God asked Abraham to sacrifice something and that wouldn't have been a surprise to Abraham, hmm. but I don't think that God would ask that of me because yeah. that is not who I am. And that's not my context. That's not the culture that I was raised in. God is relating to me now and meeting me now um, yeah. in my time and place and the way that I can relate because he goes the distance every time mm-hmm. to relate to people. Like he just wants people back. He wants them to know the story is good, that he is good, that they're good. And so it's, um, it is like there's so many troubling aspects of that <laughs> in mm-hmm. in scripture, but um, if you can zoom out a little bit and not get so caught in the details of well, um, God asked them to kill this whole group of people or whatever, and you're like, well, Jesus wouldn't do that, so I'm just going to throw out the whole Old Testament. I've heard mm-hmm. some people <laughs> they're yeah. like, well, we're going to just forego the whole thing, and um, and I would say that if you need to do that for a while, that's okay. Mm. Um, the Bible, the, the text, just like Jesus, just like our relationship with God grows, it grows with us. It grows alongside of us. It's living and breathing. Um, was, I think Timothy says it's living and active. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what is that? That's not a, a static notion. That's a dynamic changing notion. And so maybe today we're not ready to hear something, but maybe tomorrow we will be. Hmm. That's so good. That's so good. Um, I've got one more quick question. Well, maybe two. Um, I, I want to give a tiny bit of application as sort of the last thing we talk about. But um, my my final thought that I'd like you to just elaborate on for a minute is this. We so often hear the Bible and the message of Jesus um, called the good news. Um, and for so many of our listeners, uh, we've you know, you talked about this earlier. 
the Bible can feel like bad news, <laughs> you know, mm. it, it can feel like baggage or like you said, a, a yoke, a, a weight put on our shoulders too heavy for us to bear. But the Bible, the story, the person of Jesus um, is good news. And so could you just elaborate to our listeners why as followers of Jesus, we we speak of the Bible in that way of good news. We speak of the message of Jesus as as good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we've been kind of talking about this already because it, it's so natural for us to start to conflate um, the Bible or the Word of God with the revelation of God, with the Word, the Logos, Jesus. And so there's <laughs> there's like some natural connections we start to make there um, that Jesus brought this good news. He brought this kingdom. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, the Bible is like such a tender thing <laughs> for, for so, for so many believers. It's like foundational and formational, yeah. um, for so many of us that grew up in the church. Um, I think, uh, it's, um, maybe it's inconsistencies or the fact that, um, we can't relate to everything like point for point. We can't just say, put ourselves in that place and understand exactly what's happening. It puts this distance between us and the text. And, uh, but Jesus and his message, his image, what he's trying to convey in the gospels, um, that, that he came to seek and to save the lost, that he brought his kingdom to earth, but, no longer do we have to, we'd have to like imagine what God is like. Like now we have this enfleshed incarnate version of what God is like. And we saw exactly how God reacts and how he responds to people. And we see, we see a Jesus who has inaugurated a kingdom that is now here. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's now we have this reality that we're sitting in. And sometimes the Bible feels far away because I think that we, um, we forget that that Jesus is here and now, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. we 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 don't talk enough about the second coming and that that Christ is returning and that what Christ began He will complete, mm-hmm. and we're living in that sort of in between phase, um, our own kind of intertestamental period, I guess. Yeah. That yeah, we're we're just not we're not twiddling our thumbs like we're we're supposed to be active in our waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about, um, I was thinking about communion today and hopefully this will end up like good news. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about communion today. Uh, I, I was reading from, um, within my degree, within Jewish custom, um, that whole like last supper time would have evoked totally different imagery for the disciples than it did, uh, than it did for me as someone reading two, 2000 years later. Mm-hmm. So Christ offers a cup and he offers bread to his disciples. And he says, take this and drink in remembrance of me. And what that would have symbolized to the disciples was um, a proposal like to a wedding. Almost every like Jewish groom would, would present like a cup of wine to the intended. And if, if the, if the woman drank, 
then she's saying, yes, I accept. I accept that I will be betrothed to you. And then what happens was the, the groom would go and he would go to his father and he would build a house in like conjunction with his father's house. And so mm-hmm. he would go to prepare a place and the father would be the one that would decide when the groom was done, if the house was ready. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that would take a couple of weeks. Sometimes it would take months. Sometimes it could take years, but you have this in between time where the you're betrothed, you drank the wine and you're waiting. Mm-hmm. You're engaged you're engaged to this groom and you're just waiting around for him to finish the house and come back. But in the meantime, when you drink that cup, when you remember and when you commune with Christ, you're saying, okay, if I belong to you, I belong to what you stand for. I belong to this family. Like you are now the head of my house. You're the head of my heart Mm -hmm. in a sense. Like I'm my, your mission becomes my mission. And what is the mission of Jesus? Like to seek and save the lost to bring everything that was out back in to remind the world of God's story, to show the world exactly what God is like. And so we are commissioned to do that since we have that same spirit that raised Christ from, from the dead. And Paul also writes, we're supposed to be the aroma of Christ in the world, like to smell like Jesus (laughs) in the world. Like we're all kind of waiting. We're waiting for, our bridegroom to, re- to return. And we've, in the meantime, we have accepted the commission mm. to like live our lives like the groom that we have agreed to marry. And so we don't always do a great job of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But God, it's, it's so frustrating that God wants to partner with people mm-hmm. sometimes because yeah. we are, we are what the world has. Like mm-hmm. this is the purpose of the church. <laughs> the purpose of the church is to show to show the world what Jesus is like and to live as if his kingdom is the kingdom. Is the kingdom like the primary kingdom to serve? And um that's really hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible the Bible reminds us um of the Jesus that we serve. It, it's like this uh it's almost like this do this in remembrance of me thing. Uh it's the bread of life. Jesus identified it in his life as the bread of life. And so it's meant to be nourishment to us, to remind us of our story, to remind us of how we do what we're supposed to do to image Jesus. And um, it's not easy. And we don't always do a good job, but this is how <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. But this is how God has chosen to like operate in the world yeah. with the Holy Spirit inside of us. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's a huge commission. That's like such a fresh perspective, especially on the communion. I've never yeah, heard that before. I'll never think of that the same. I'll never think of that the same. Like, That's thank so, you so much, yeah. Brene. I, I just have to say this. Whenever I think of you, Brene, I don't know why. I think of a girl on a horse with a giant sword that's just like swing, swinging and just like just so hardcore. And that is like who you are to me. Um, so thank you so much for everything that you shared. Um, wow. I like want to make everyone listen to this, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, so much of this podcast is what I was hoping it to be is that there's there's, there's a narrative surrounding the Bible and Christianity that you have to read it, believe it, accept it, and mm-hmm. can't think differently about it. And yeah. My hope was, 
in this and having you is to, to show people that the Bible, like you said, is the story of God revealing Jesus to us and the good news, but also it's an invitation mm-hmm. to think deeply and wrestle with the things of life yeah. and, and, and to yeah. see that God is in it. And not only is he in it, um, but like you said, that his story and his plan for humanity in it is good and mm-hmm. that when it's bad, we can wrestle in that. And the Bible is an invitation to do that, not opposed from God, but with God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that when it's good, we can celebrate um, our victories and our triumphs, not opposed from God, but but with God. And and I just think we said it earlier. It's one of the most dynamic, probably the most dynamic book, like you were saying, Brene, it's living, it's active. Um, and I think it's just such a beautiful invitation into the story of God. And yeah. so. Thank you so much for your time. I know it's it's getting late there. Um, and we appreciate you coming in and sharing with us mm-hmm. your thoughts and your perspectives. And hopefully if you're out there and you're listening, um, maybe this will challenge your views on the Bible. If mm-hmm. if you've been wounded by it or by somebody that is has wielded it incorrectly, um, that this would breathe new life and new perspective for you because um, it's good and God is good and Jesus is good and who the Bible reveals to us is good news. Um, so Brene, would you really quick as, as we wrap this up, would you just pray for everybody listening um, and then we'll close this out? Yeah, for sure. Oh Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you. Uh, thank you for revealing yourself. Thank you for coming and putting on flesh, for incarnating God, for the world to see and for um, putting us in this story and continuing to draw us back to this story that has such hope for the world, that has such a fresh and loving vantage in which we can look at creation and we can look, in which we can look at one another. Um, I ask, Lord, that you would just continually draw us back to the goodness of your story. Help us to trust it. Help us to trust that it is good, that you are good. Um, and that you have plans and purposes for us in our times and places as we have seen you interact with people all across the t- times and uh, all across the world in different languages. You have met people and you have written your story through them. And so I ask that as you are continuing to write your story through us, that we would be the good news to this world where people have been wounded by um, how people have incorrectly used your word, where people have um, falsely imaged your son, I ask, Lord, that you would help us as your church um, to continually um, come back to the reality of Jesus, to, to look at how he behaved, how he listened, how he learned, how he loved, and to um, embody that in our own lives, in our own practices, in our homes, at our tables. Um, we are waiting for you, Jesus, to come again and to finish what you have started. Um, we thank you for this good, good earth. And, um, and we ask that we would steward all that you have given us wisely. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, Brene, thank you. And thank you to everybody who joined us today. Um, I just want to encourage you uh, on whatever platform you're listening to subscribe and share with a friend. If if you have a friend that, um, you know, maybe has questions or or is wrestling with a text or the Bible in and of itself, share this with them. Our hope is that it would open a conversation, um, 
not just looking to us, but that it would help you have a conversation with your friends, your coworkers. Um, that's the that's the goal of this podcast. And so, if you're curious on what Young Adults is up to, what Red Rocks is up to, follow us on Instagram, or you can always go to ROYA.org to stay up to date with what we're doing. We love you guys so much, and we will see you next week. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>